Hello, friends, and welcome to episode eight of Keep It Real with Rachel Sinclair. I'm so glad you tuned in today, or should I say streamed in, downloaded in, or subscribed in, (laughs) whatever you say. I am glad you're here. Today's episode is with one of the funniest women I know, Melissa Radke. Melissa is the author of the best-selling book, Eat Cake, Be Brave, and she's the star of her own reality show, yes, her own reality TV show, which premieres on June 4th on USA after the Chrisleys. Y'all, that is so exciting. When I sat down to interview Melissa, I knew the conversation would be funny. That's a given. And she was. But I was really blown away by how genuinely kind and pure-hearted Melissa is. She is herself and no one else. She's very raw and real. And she is truly so beautiful. I love this woman so much. So without further ado, let's jump into my conversation with Melissa Radke. Well, Melissa, there are just so many things and I was so grateful that you decided to come on here. I was thinking, gosh, you know, where do I even start? And I want to tell you, first of all, two reasons why I just so admire you, because there are many. But um, one is your ability to laugh and to laugh at yourself and to laugh at life. <laughs> I think that is just such a gift. Um, I, I value that in my own life. And it's it's just beautiful to see other people carry that spirit. And then two, I love that you are not afraid to talk about your faith, but you are also not afraid to have an audience of people who are different from you. And, and that's okay. Um, I, I heard you talking about, it was on some podcast, I can't remember, but you were talking about how, you know, you have a mainstream publisher and then you're going to be on USA, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Mainstream network. And it's like, how are we supposed to be a light if we hide it under a bushel, you know? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> how can we tell people? Well, thank you so much for saying that. It's It's been, um, uh, I don't even know if I want to admit to it, but it's been somewhat of a calculated decision on our part to, to, to do those things. But you can't, here's the deal, when you place yourself in God's will, like you can't calculate it yourself too much, you know, because he's going to have yes. the last say. But we just said many times, you know, God, use us, God, use us, use us where you're, let us go where, where they need you most. And so, Mm -hmm. and then there you go, that our opportunities with the mainstream publisher or with USA Network, those things came available. And I will admit to being fearful, uh, but doing it anyway. Um, So I walk through those doors. It's just much easier for me to just hang out in Christian circles because Mm -hmm. I know that circle better. I've been born and raised in the church, yes, but I don't necessarily feel it's what I'm called to do. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so thank you for noticing that and, 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 you know, applauding that to some extent. Um, But I, you know, I just keep going where he tells me to go Mm -hmm. and doing what he tells me to do. And then as far as laughter and laughing at myself, you can't be born into the family that I'm in (laughs) and not a have a thick skin, but be be able to laugh at yourself. And I was asked a question this weekend. I had to do a Q and a before one of the events that I spoke at and someone asked something about laughter and I'm so mad at myself because I did not give this example. So can I tell you something? Please do. Please do. That I wish that I would have said this weekend. Absolutely. They asked the question, something about, you know, why is laughter so important to you? It's so, you know, 
we love that you can laugh at yourself and that all of your family laughs at themselves. When I was growing up, I was, um, my mom worked at a church and so I was in the church a lot. I was in the church when she cleaned the toilets and I was in the church when she taught the choir and I was in the church when she taught Sunday school. And there's all these pictures of Jesus hanging around the church and he's always, you know, on a cross or breaking bread or healing sick people. And yes. Always like, so, so very serious. Yes. <laughs> um, and then one day I saw this picture of Jesus and he wasn't serious. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where it came from, but for me at the age of like 10 or 11, it meant, it just was a groundbreaking moment for me. His head was reared back and he was just laughing. Oh. It was just this picture yeah. of him head back, mouth open, a gate, just laughing. Yes. I don't know where that picture came from, but I remember that moment in my life when I just went, oh, so he laughs. Like he enjoys laughing. And I remember telling my mother that my mother said to me, Melissa, Jesus was invited to every party. (laughs) That's why he changed the water to wine. Everybody (laughs) wanted him there. He was was invited to every party. He was a good time, Melissa. He had had friends and he was a a lot of fun. It's okay to laugh. Like I, I just assumed that God's ministry was like all nail scars and broken bread and broken people. But it's really just having what? a really great time. And I remember when I saw that picture of him, I was like, well, then I want to do that. I want to laugh and make people laugh. And I want him to be okay with it, you know? And yes. So, yes. You know, when, I'm, when is... I went on a stage with other people that are really serious and stuff, I think, God, am I shallow because I'm, I make people laugh? And he's like, I love that about you. Yes. <laughs> that is showing part of his character, you know? Yeah. That's so yeah, funny that's that right. you that you say this because actually my last podcast, which is coming out tomorrow and yours will come out a couple weeks before your show, but it was with Susanna B. Lewis. Do you know her, yeah. though, Susanna? And Absolutely. Yes. And she talked about the same thing about how so often we think of God as, um, you know, very pensive and or Jesus as very serious and sort of solitude, which not to say that he wasn't, but God is fun and God is joyous and he laughs. He delights in his children. And um, that's I, right. Yeah. I, I said on there and I'll say it again because it's such a good book, but I've been reading The Sacrament of Happy by Lisa Harper. And that's she kind of just goes through how biblically, theologically, God is happy. Like the Bible teaches that. And he is, he is so happy. And, and I'm so, I'm so thankful for that. You know, I was on the stage this past weekend with Natalie Grant and Sadie Robertson. Sadie's bringing the word. Natalie's bringing worship. I'm there to make people laugh. And I said to them, I'm so sorry. Y'all have to do the heavy lifting. I really am. (laughs) But I'm just here to have fun. And I think God delights. I know he delights in it. You know, and I know he loves that about my personality. And so why should I feel like it's, second rate or why should I feel like it's shallow it's not it's, it's not, not at all not at all I I just I love it well okay I know we we've got limited time so first of all can you just tell us give the listeners a little overview about your precious family and where you live beloved Lufkin Texas and um, then I want to hear all about the reality show well I am um, a wife and a mom, my husband, David, and I, who I call the attorney general because he is strict and disciplined and no fun can be found in him ever. That's what I say. <laughs> but um, actually, he's a lot of fun and he makes me laugh, but he's the balance to me in every way. I tell people I couldn't find my car keys or my pants if it was not for David Radke. I mean, if yeah. you see me and I've got pants on, thank him. Thank um, David. <laughs> 
Yeah, but uh, and then we have two kids, Remy and Rocco, and Remy's 12, Rocco's 10. Both of our children came after 12 years of infertility, mm. after four miscarriages. We actually had a son mm. who passed away on Christmas Day of 2005. Yes. Um, and, mm. and so my story, uh, which you can read about in my book, Eat Cake, Be Brave, is a, is a journey. Mm-hmm. And so I call my children my purple hearts because I say that they're the the award I got after the war because that's oh, yes. a really what infertility feels like to the to the woman struggling to have children. Mm-hmm. I want her to know that she's not alone. Doesn't make her any less of a beautiful, beautiful woman. Yes. Um, and so adoption just is such a part of my story, and I'm just so for it all. You know, in all ways, I love to hear adoption stories. Love it. Um, yes. And, and those are some of my, I mean, all of your book is wonderful, but the story, especially about Miss Danielle, um, that you tell about oh, Remy's yes. biological yes. mother. Oh, just beautiful. And oh, good. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. We, my children have known they were adopted from day one. Um, we've never made that a secret and I'm so glad about that. So we talk about their birth mothers in our home with great respect and honor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I actually, David and I lived in Nashville for about 16 yes, years. That's and now where I we're am. back. We are back in my hometown where I was born and raised. Mm-hmm. And um, in fact, we are living in the house that I was born and raised Wait, in. Wait, no, you're not. I did not know that. <laughs> yes, girl. It's, it's, it's quite a twisted, tragic tale. Um, <laughs> but here we are living in my parents' house. So we, we bought this. It's a beautiful home and we bought it from my parents. They decided they wanted to build their dream home. Aww. After my dad retired, they wanted to build their dream home and they did. And so we bought this house for them. We remodeled the inside because David said it was too freaky sleeping in their bedroom. And I was like, I agree. Totally. Yeah. Change um, some, change some paints, change some furniture. That's right. That's right. <laughs> But we remodeled it, made it our own, and now my kids are growing up out here oh. on this big piece of land that I grew up on, wow. which, is, which is surrounded by aunts and uncles and grandparents and cousins, and um, literally they can get on their four-wheelers and drive to Granny's house or drive to Cousin Michelle's house. Or, How and, fun. Yeah, so it's that was important to us, and we're back in this small East Texas town that I was born and raised in, but I love with all of my heart and soul. Mm-hmm. If, you know, Miranda Lambert sings a song called The House That Built Me. Yes. Well, Lufkin is the town that built me. Oh. It really is, and mm-hmm. so the fact that I am not making it, I'm, I'm using my, my air quotes right now, sure. in, in Nashville, just does my heart good mm-hmm. that all of this is happening for me when I am back where I belong. Like, Isn't that I love amazing? That. And, I'm, and I'm so glad that, that Luskin is going along for the ride. Bless their hearts, whether they want to or not, they are. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> They're in it. <laughs> That's right. Yes. And tell us about the Radkeys, your show, and kind of, I guess, how that came to be about and I, I, well, let me, let me tell you, first of all, I do, so I work at a PR firm, um, by day and then I do this by night, but um, part of my job is involves video now, not anywhere near what you're used to, but I find it fascinating. Just the storytelling aspect and, um, you know, you're out there on the ground shooting it. You got to deal with all the technical aspects and then putting a beautiful story together. All that to say, one of my favorite sayings when I'm when I'm shooting or working on video is you can do 20,000 really complicated things correctly and one thing mess up and you got to do it again. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. Because there's just so much that goes 
into it. So just tell us about that process because I, I know it's a lot. <laughs> oh, and, and are you talking about specifically shooting the show? Yes. Like the honey. Yeah. You don't, you don't even know the half of it. I <laughs> have never seen anything like it in my life. So here's the deal. So I, I didn't really realize this, but there are two types of reality shows. There is, um, the type of reality show, like, let's say I am a, <laughs> I love all kinds of reality TV. Oh, you yes. might not even know who this person is, but there's a show on Bravo called um, Don't Be Tardy. Okay. I don't Kim's, know it, but keep going. Okay. Her name was Kim Zolziak Beerman. She was on Real Housewives of Atlanta. Then she got her own show. It's called Don't Be Tardy. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a type of reality show where a crew just follows them around in their real everyday life. So if she's going to pick up kids or she's going to the doctor or this or that, I'm sure some of it to some extent is kind of staged or pre-planned, but, but by the most part, it's just them standing around in their kitchen eating lunch. Mm-hmm. Then there's a different, another type of reality show that's kind of new, newer, and it's called an unscripted sitcom. And I would say this falls in line more with the Duck Dynasty or with the um, uh, Chrisley Knows Best. Yes. And it's where they take staged situations, but they're completely unscripted or, you know, not thought out. Like, so that's kind of what ours is. And so they took situations that have already happened that are true to life. I'll give you an example. There's one episode where I cannot talk to Remy about sex because it makes me nervous and it makes me sweat. And whenever I talk about sex, I break out in gangster rap. So they took that tr- and I, and that true story yes. of how I couldn't talk to Remy about sex. So I sent her to my aunt Melba who for whatever reason can talk about sex to anybody. <laughs> and she tells my daughter about the birds and the bees. Is this dysfunctional? Yes, it is. But it really happened. So we sat down with him and we just told them some stories about our lives. They decided which ones we were going to reshoot. And then they just let us go for it with absolutely no scripting. And when I tell you no scripting, girl, I ain't kidding. So it wasn't like, okay, Melissa, you sit here. Remy's here. And then you move. It's just (laughs) go for it. We just kind of go for it. Like, we just went down to my Aunt Melba's house. They set up all the cameras, and they're like, so let's just kind of relive that day. And then they, and then we did. And so that's, that's what they're calling an unscripted sitcom. And so it's going to have a little bit more of a sitcom feel. Now, people may watch it and say, well, this feels scripted. Well, it feels scripted because it's supposed to look like a sitcom. Right. You know, it's supposed to look like that. But it is not scripted. And you will know that with a 10 and a 12-year-old. Trust me, it's not. Oh, I um, bet. <laughs> but as far as the the doing of it, I I can't believe it. I can't believe how much work it was. It was so much work. It was grueling work. There was a crew of about 31 people who moved into our town for about seven weeks. Um, <laughs> that's, they, a <laughs> that, that's, that's a lot. It's a lot. They would We'd film for about 60 hours. We would work for 60 hours a week I believe for it. one episode, which oh. that episode would would turn out to be about 23 minutes. So imagine, I just say it like this. Imagine if you work at your job for 60 hours one week, but only 23 minutes of it was productive. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Yeah. So that's what it was like. And so my friends would say, we miss you. Where are you? We don't ever get to talk to you because we were so isolated from the rest of the world. I mean, you have no time to do anything else. And I would say, I'm so busy. I'm so stressed. And they would go, 
oh, is it so hard filming your reality TV <laughs> And you're like, show? yes, it is hard. <laughs> but it was. It was so hard. Oh, so, I, I I, believe it. I I can totally see it. And just yeah. I, I imagine on your kids, too. I mean, that's, you know, that's a lot. You, you know what? It, it actually was really hard for them, bless their hearts, because they would go to school at 8 in the morning. They'd get out of school at 3.30. They'd be home by 4.30, ready to change clothes and start shooting until 8.30 that night. Right. It was a grueling, grueling process for them. But, and, and when it was over, we we felt no reward from it. Because see, they <laughs> yeah, have to go the away product? and edit it. <laughs> you don't get to see that the rewards of your work. But then, when things would start coming in, they would send us little clips. Or when finally they were all edited, and we would get to see an episode, we would go, "Oh, it was totally worth it," yes. you know. But oh, it, it w- would I do it again? In a heartbeat. It was so much fun. The network has been like a dream they've been a dream to work with they've they've been Mm -hmm. kind to my children and to us and they sent good people to work with us my kids fell in love with the crew that's what you want absolutely you you know that's so great well I'm already rooting for a season two and I haven't even seen season one so oh thank you (laughs) well you better hold your words who knows girl who knows how this will turn out but but thank you thank you yes well we'll we'll I'll be watching and um I wanted to talk to you about just kind of like you touched on earlier the timing of everything because you lived in Nashville and you wanted to pursue a career in music right Mm -hmm. which you write about in your book and that was I mean people can read the story in the book but just a long and heartbreaking and I I just felt for you so much in in this time and then here now you've correct me if I'm wrong but I feel like within the past you know two years you have just your career has just boomed with the podcast you've got the book the tv show and all these things are happening so what is what have you learned about God's timing and I guess fulfilled dreams and unfulfilled dreams that's kind of a big question, but you, you can take well, it where no, you want. It's, no, it's a, it's a great question. And I, I love the way you worded it. And um, here's, first of all, here's what I've learned. You know, um, a lot of people have kind of like have said, wow, everything kind of took off for you in the last two years. What is visible has taken off in the last two years. But the truth of the matter is the story's been going on for a long time. You mm-hmm. know this because you read the book. Yes. I've been preparing for a life um, in front of people my entire life. Right. I mean, I went to That's college. That's a gift. Yeah. I went, to, I went to Belmont University and graduated with a commercial music degree because my dream was to be on the stage in front of people and use my voice and sing. Mm-hmm. So when people go, well, this just, just, this just happened to you. You had a video go viral and now look at you. What they don't know is all the work that I put in all of these many, many years. The truth is what you're just seeing has been the last two years. God's been preparing me for this for my entire life. And I've been working hard for it. It's just now taking off. For sure. Do I, you know, do I look back at some unfulfilled dreams? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Do I say with complete and utter 100% assurance that I am now so glad that those things didn't happen? without a doubt really and the person oh and the person listening to this who is waiting on God and waiting on God's timing and tapping their toe and so upset and getting discouraged and losing hope 
they are probably listening to me and their eyes are rolling so far back in their head they look like they're having a seizure. I get it. I understand. I never thought this day would come when I would say, you were right, God. You were always right. But it has come. You know, it's just like the other day. I, I literally was praying. And he said, I always told you that I was going to use your voice. Mm. I'm just using it in a completely different way. Yes. And I wouldn't change a thing about it. I would not change a thing. This, The rejection that I felt in Nashville has led me to this place right here. It's part of my story. Yes. Is, is it a scar? Yeah. But our scars tell our story. Yes, they sake. do. So, um, wow, that is so encouraging because I, I mean, I honestly didn't know. I didn't know if you would say, you know, I wish it had, or, um, I mean, would you, would you still want to sing at some point? Because after reading your book and just rooting for you in the moment, I know that was, you know, however many years ago, but I mean, I, I kind of want you to put out a record, you know, like <laughs> that's how, <laughs> that's how, um, how much I, f- I feel for you and that passion. Well, yeah, and I think my husband feels the same way. You know, sometimes he'll tell me, do you ever, <clears throat> now that things are kind of shifting, do you ever hope that you get the chance to sing? And I can honestly tell you, I, I really don't really have that desire or that hope. Here's the deal. I love to sing, and it comes so natural to me that if the opportunity ever arose <clears throat> and I needed to do that for whatever reason or I got the chance, oh, I, I would do it now. I would do it for fun. I'd yes. do it because I, I, got, I got to do it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't do it because I needed to do it. It wouldn't feel any kind of hole in my heart. It really wouldn't. There's not there's not a longing there. It would just be the cherry on the top. It really would. Yes. It, it wouldn't be because I needed to. And man, that's a great feeling. What a great that's way just, to put it. Yeah, just I, I, I say that sometimes I'll call things a cherry on top blessing where it didn't need to be there, but it just is, you know, a cherry yeah, on top. Yeah. yeah. I think I sometimes think, you know, it would be fun, a Christmas album. Uh, my oh, family yes. loves Christmas. My dad loves Christmas albums that he's always said to me, Melissa, if you ever make an album, I wish you'd make a Christmas album. But, you know, if oh, I Christmas ever did that, so it'd be, fun. It, yeah, it would just be because it was one of God's, my mother calls them handfuls on purpose. Mm. When God gives you a handful on purpose, they're just little bits of, of pleasure and, and excitement and just blessing and that's what it would be but it wouldn't be because I needed it but that's that's what happens when you open up your palms you you don't live with closed fists instead you live with open palms in an attitude of surrender to the things of God I surrender my life and I surrender my hopes and I surrender my dreams I surrender all of it to you he works it out perfectly I'm telling you he just does it don't come without its ups and downs and it doesn't come without its heartbreak but in yes. the end, we win. That's what everybody needs to know. That yes. in the end, we we win. You know, right? And it's it's his design is his best for us all along. No matter right. what, if it doesn't feel that way to us in the moment, we we can trust that what he has is actually the best if we're walking in him. So, yeah, exactly. Oh, that's that's so good. I know that's encouraging to me, and I'm I know it's encouraging to other people listening as well. So. 
Okay, let's talk about your book, Eat Cake, Be Brave. Did you have a favorite chapter of writing your book? Because you have so many funny stories, so many just uh, different ways, you different formats of telling stories. You know, you'll sometimes write letters, or I loved the interview that you did where you sat down with your Aunt Melba and Cousin Meredith and your mom in the kitchen. <laughs> yes. Oh, I could just, I could see my family doing the same thing, and I loved it. So. That one was called Chicken Fried Women. Chicken Fried and- Women, yeah. Yes. Chicken fried women. And uh, I actually do, you know what? I do love that chapter. I haven't talked about that recently. So that's a good one to bring up. I do love that chapter. And anybody that's listening and hasn't read the book, they're like, chicken fried women. What in the world? <laughs> but I reference it. We, I'm from the South. Uh, we fry everything. What? Um, You're from the South? No. <laughs> no, no kidding. Um, but I just referenced that because uh, we all love chicken fingers, you know, fried chicken tenders or whatever y'all call them. Oh, yeah. And And I say that that's kind of like us women. We're hard and we're a little bit battered on the outside, but inside we're tender and we're soft, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, What makes us us is on the inside. You just kind of sometimes have to get through what life has done to us on the outside. That was a really special chapter. I love the chapter um, about it's the conversation back and forth between me and my dad. I love that chapter. that chapter is called My Dad Looks Nothing Like Denzel, um, <laughs> because he does not. Um, and if you're thinking, if you're talking about Denzel Washington, uh, yes, I am. Um, I love that chapter because I really feel like that chapter has meant a lot to people because I, I try to not be super overt in the things of God. I wanted people to... Um, I don't know, because I kind of wanted people to be surprised by God in it. Yes. I wanted them to, I didn't want to be like, God says in Hebrews, you right. know, <laughs> let's read Revelation. Turn your Bibles. That's right. right. Um, so I, I tried to go out about it a, gent- a gentler, more accepting way. And when I ended up writing about this conversation between my dad and I, so many people saw God mm-hmm. in that chapter, the way my father treated me. You'll have to read the chapter to know what I'm talking about. But the way he treated me is so similar to how Jesus treats us. And so I love that chapter. But probably Mm -hmm. my favorite one, you're going to laugh, is it's called Cheerleaders Part 2. And it's the story of how I met my husband. It's the story of how David and I fell in love. And I'm telling you, it needs to be a movie. Why has nobody made this a movie? I agree. I completely agree. Now, what what city were y'all in when that? took place Dallas Texas that was in Dallas okay yes okay I was wondering because we it's funny we have a macaroni grill at Birmingham in Birmingham and I went to school at Sanford and so I was just I could picture the whole thing I mean very cinematic (laughs) I was like I'm just seeing the scenes right now and the table they're at and Uh, oh yeah oh yeah girl I think I I started telling somebody the other day I was like it should be a movie and Reese with (laughs) I'm gonna laugh telling this Reese Witherspoon should play me yes someone said Melissa, Reese Witherspoon is cannot play a college age cheerleader, babe. That, that's how that's how old you're getting, Melissa. That the people that you even want to play you are like adult moms. Like they can't do that. I'm like, oh my god, I'm getting so old. <laughs> that's hilarious. Oh, right. But yeah, it's really cute, and it's and you know people read it and they go, is this 100 percent true? Did y'all really get together this way? We really got together and like that. The tape recorder, I, the Walkman, like that is movie stuff. That's crazy it's movie material it's hallmark movie all i mean all over the place and 
it's true to how we got together. It's so true of my life. And I, I really do think that, you know, like I'm not, like I was just telling you at the beginning, people have called me a comedian. I'm not a comedian. That makes me nervous. I don't do bits. I have a storyteller. I tell stories and that's one of my favorite stories to tell. And as much as I enjoyed writing it, I enjoy telling it live even more. Oh, (laughs) it's it's such a good one. What do your kids think about that? I mean, do they recognize how unique that is the way y'all met or? No, you know what my kids think? This is the total truth. When I tell that story on stage, I told that story on stage this past weekend. The kids were in attendance. They they don't always travel with us, but they Mm -hmm. did this weekend. I tell that story on stage, and of course they'd heard it before. I go through the whole entire story, and then there's a part in the story where I say, um, you know, after he ran over the tape or whatever, I say, and we made out. We made out. You know, and everybody in the audience (laughs) laughs. Yeah. Afterwards, we were backstage, and my son looks up at me and my husband, and he goes, that story about the cheerleaders, did y'all really make out? <laughs> like that? And, and you're like, goes, no, we just sat in the car. <laughs> yeah, David goes, son, that was your big takeaway? That was the big takeaway. And he's like, yeah, that was the most disgusting part. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a kid for you. That's a 10-year-old boy for you. <laughs> yes, I can imagine. And then, man, Remy in the Aunt Melba sex talk, she's got to be a... A, t- a tough cookie to <laughs> I'm telling you what that uh, that is going to be on an episode and I have told everybody that this our show the Radkeys is supposed to be family friendly but I'm gonna tell you I was there when Aunt Melba when we filmed that it was not family friendly it was horrific in every single way <laughs> it was exploitive and pornographic and I kid you not so I can't imagine that they did not edit out every bit of it and if they didn't edit out all of it Kids are going to have to leave the room because Aunt Melba pulled out pictures. She pulled no. out pictures. Oh my she gracious. literally said at one point, Remy, do you see this picture? Now, this lady, look at her. She can shape her body like a pretzel. Oh, no. <laughs> so, I don't know what you're going to watch on television. So, I always so like you've to not, apologize have seen, ahead of time. Have you seen all the episodes? No, they have not shown me that episode. And I think that's why. I think that's <laughs> I think that they know that I will raise Cain and I will throw a fit and they will just laugh at me. So they're deciding not to show it to me. <laughs> that is so funny. Oh my goodness. Well, I can, I cannot wait to watch. Um, okay. On the, on the flip side. So that was some of your favorite parts about your book. What, tell me what was the hardest part to write and then why you decided to do it? Because I'm, I'm a writer as well, not nearly as, obviously well-known or you know I'm in that getting there getting where I hope to go and where God's good, taking me good, yes. um, but all that to say I there's always this question this line of how much do you get real and dig deep but then how much is too much you know how do you know what to share with people and and so how did how did you choose to share some of the toughest deepest parts of your story Well, I think I have two chapters that stand out. It probably won't be a surprise to anyone who's read the book. The toughest chapter to write, um, to to get actually to get in the book, was one called Lovers and Leavers. Mm -hmm. And that's on a chapter, uh, which I don't really want to give it away too much. No, don't, don't, because we want people to read it. Yeah, it's a real, it's a it's a very vulnerable, and um, really, if I can be honest, embarrassing story about my marriage and something that happened with my husband. And here was the deal: it was hard for me to get that in my book because he did not want it in my book. He said, mm. "Please don't. I'll be so embarrassed. Mm. I'll be. So, I'm so ashamed. Please don't put it in there." Yeah. 
but I, I, and I didn't, I did not press him. I just said, okay, will you, will you at least allow me this? Will you at least allow me to write the chapter and then you read it? Mm -hmm. So I wrote the chapter and I gave it to him and he said, not just no, but hell no. He was like, are you kidding me? He said, no, this, this is, this is terrible. Please don't do this. You know, I will just, I'll, I'll be so sad and I'll be so embarrassed. And I was like, I said, what are you talking about? This chapter is great. I'm going to send it to my editor. She's going to love it. My editor wrote me back. And this is what my editor said. This is the most one-sided thing I have ever read. You made him out to be a real, she said, Uh and you made yourself out to be this flower. But Uh, I know because I'm married that a marriage is a two-way street. Why don't you go back and write the real story? And I was like, are you kidding me? (laughs) Um, So I sat back down thinking about what David had said, thinking about what my editor said, and thinking about that time in our marriage. And then I wrote the real story. And I wrote how, of course, my husband was lonely in in our marriage. I wouldn't let him touch me. I hated him. I was going through infertility. Every time we had sex, it was a science experiment. I, Mm -hmm. you know, we were, we were grieving individuals. So I wrote the true story. I wrote what I was like to live with. I wrote what he was like. And when I finished writing it, I gave it to him. He read it. He cried. And he said, this is going to help so many people put it in the book. So I realized then that my husband was game for anything as long as I told the truth. Mm -hmm. And I put it in the book and it has literally helped and healed so many people I went to book signings and women would after I got they got me to sign their book they would walk over to my husband and hug him and cry and say my husband and I read that chapter together I mean it was it was the most beautiful thing he has not regretted it one single second and that's what happens when you tell the truth and when you're vulnerable with your story even the parts that embarrass you and then that leads me to the other chapter which is called water to my chin and this is just a chapter where i literally shared a time of suicidal thoughts Mm -hmm. so for anybody listening they're like i thought this lady was supposed to be funny out of 24 chapters that's probably one of the most serious chapters don't be scared of the book but (laughs) it is it is a really vulnerable story Mm -hmm. and I honestly didn't want to write that chapter because I didn't want my children to find out right. that I had ever experienced suicidal thoughts. You mm-hmm. know, right? Like, God forbid my kids ever know I was a real person. Right. Um, <laughs> but right. before they could ever even read it, I did an interview on Megan Kelly's morning show. Yes. And she referenced it. And my kids, I was in New York. It was live doing the show my kids were at my parents house in texas and they were watching it and they heard megan kelly say that and my daughter looked at my mom and said noni my mama wanted to kill herself and so i had to end up talking to remy about it but i'm so glad that i did it look it's a part of me it's just a part of who i am so those are some reasons why i I didn't want to put them in at first. And then, of course, God just takes our vulnerability and uses it for the better good. I'm so glad that I did. But they weren't fun to write. But they're necessary, you know? Yes. And it's, like you said, it's powerful to help other people. Um, That's, I think of the verse... I always think this is in Hebrews, but now I'm thinking it's in Second Corinthians. See, this is why you were saying we don't want to sound like we're <laughs> right. 
doing right, Bible exactly. karate here. But anyway, it talks about God comforts us so that we can comfort others in their time Absolutely. of need. And that's not always fun and that, that can be really painful, but you're right. It does it does make an impact. And and I think we can feel God's not approval, but his his presence in saying it is okay for you to right. share this. You know, that's so. exactly right. And that's also why when we share scripture, we don't say where it's at because then we look like idiots. I know. Girl, right. I always say there's this scripture that I was reading in my Bible time when really I have no idea where it's at. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but no, I totally agree with you. I, I look now at the book and you know what? It's a complete book. It's a complete memoir of who I am. All the funny the funny, 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 and all the real. And so they were difficult to write, but I'm so glad that I did them. And, and, you know, that, that, that marriage that I wrote about, that's not who we are now. Right. But, and and here's the funny thing. Our marriage healed from that. And you know what? What? Then it got worse. Then it got worse than Uh. that. Can you believe it? Our marriage actually got worse than that. I was doing an interview, a podcast interview with Jamie Ivey for the happy hour. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to her about David and I getting to this place where we, we contact divorce attorneys. And she goes, yeah, that happened right after that love it or lovers or leavers chapter. And I said, Oh girl, no, this happened like five years later. And she said, what? And I said, (laughs) Yeah, I said, marriages keep going through ups and downs. Mm -hmm. They don't stop. They don't stop. Right. And every single time that we get lower, we get better. That's what's so crazy. That is crazy. We come back even better. And so, yeah, after the lovers and leavers happened, we were were fine for a couple of years. And then you know what? Then debt. Then Mm. finances hit us. Then broken dreams hit us. Then we left Nashville with broken hearts and moved back to Texas, and that hits you. Marriages go through it, Mm -hmm. but... But there is resiliency and there is when you're when you come out on top, man, it's just makes for so much more of a romantic story. <laughs> yes, 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 absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Well, this has been so fun. Let me ask you one. Well, I guess two final questions. You know, here okay. I am. One more, two, three. No, <laughs> this will be just just two. Um, tell us. I'd, I just love to ask people this. What God is has been teaching you in this season in life and it can be really small or it can be something something big and then I'll go ahead and give you question two um how can we support you and pray for you and your family during this this upcoming season Mm. um well actually they kind of go hand in hand all right so I'm glad you asked me both at the same time the first one is I I'm teaching a course right now um, called Ink, Replacing What Stains You with What Can Change You. So along with doing a reality show and writing and all this, I also teach some online Bible studies. Mm-hmm. And this one right now I'm teaching to about 170 women online in a private session um, on learning our identity in Christ. Um, the reason I reference that is because one of the things that someone posted, we have a private Facebook group and someone posted the other day and it said, why would you ever, um, take an, accept an insult from someone that you would never accept advice from? I'm not saying that exactly correctly, but in other words, why would an insult from an idiot matter? Would we go to them for advice? Mm. You know? And 
that really meant something to me, and I'll tell you why. With the with the startup of the show, with the with the rolling out of the commercials and the ads and all this, there are people that are already going off on the Radkeys. They've mm-hmm. never even watched our show. They have no idea who I am. But they want to talk about my hair, and they want to talk about my weight, and they want to talk about my kids, and they want to talk about my husband. And they want to talk I'm about my eyes. Thing. I know you can't see it, but <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. They're, they're, it's just horrible stuff. Well, I, now just between you and I, I don't read those those comments. I don't. I read my Instagram and my Facebook. I don't venture out. So wherever they're posting them, I'm not seeing them. But my friends are. My friends are seeing them. And Mm -hmm. here's the deal. God is teaching me, never suffer a fool, Melissa. Don't suffer Mm -hmm. a fool. Keep your eyes on me. We're going places. They're not going with us. That guy who lives in his mom's basement and plays Dungeons and Dragons, he's not going with us. Yeah. Don't you understand? You and I are on a journey. We're on a mission. Your hand is in mine, Melissa. I'm taking you somewhere. Don't look to the right or the left, Melissa. Don't look to the right or the left. And that's really what he's teaching me right now. Keep my eyes on him. Mm. He's at the finish line, and that's where I'm headed. And yeah. I don't care what the fool says. And I don't care what the critic or the troll says. Yes. I've got one aim in mind, and it's to please him. Mm-hmm. And I guess that kind of aligns with how can y'all pray? Y'all could just pray a covering over us. Yeah. I don't. It doesn't bother me what the what the trolls say online. What would bother me is that my, if my family read those comments, or my children ever came across those comments, mm-hmm. or kids on the playground ever said, "Hey, I saw what they said about your mom." I want the kind of Holy Spirit covering where that doesn't even ever get to us. Yes. That's really what I want because I'm not going to be swayed by it. But my kids are ten and twelve. Yes. My mother's 65 years old. She's going to be swayed, but she's, that's going to affect her. That's going to hurt her for mm-hmm. me. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I, I would love that you guys would just, that your people would just pray a covering over the Radkeys, that we would experience joy, uh, just uh, unending joy over what we're about to walk into and that we wouldn't hear the, we wouldn't suffer a fool. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would ask. What, well, that's great. Those really do go hand in hand. And we will we will certainly do that. Pray for your family and just peace and just a knowing, you know, I sometimes I use the phrase that you I don't think you can find this in the Bible. Maybe you can, but a special grace, I'll, you know, if someone is going through just an unbelievable situation or something really specific, you know, let's pray for a special grace just for that situation. So I think absolutely we can pray I like for that. It. That's good. Thank yeah. you for that. That's oh, good. Oh, you're welcome. We'll pray for a special grace for the Radkeys and that overall people will just be blessed by this show. I know they will. I know that's going to be the overwhelming response. And y'all are following the Chrisleys, right? Like you come on after the Chrisleys. Yes, we do. June 4th, June 4th. And here's the deal. This is what we're asking. So if you're watching it at home, because this affects ratings, right? Mm-hmm. And we right. get good ratings because ratings are what you use season two. Yes. So you have to tell your listeners when you watch it at your house on June 4th, make sure every TV in your home is turned to USA Network. That way, if you have five TVs in your house, you, counts five it, it times. Records five times, right? Yes. So that's really important. So tell everybody that. Okay, absolutely. Yeah. To, even if you're watching all in the living room, turn on all your TVs. All your TVs, girl. Come on, help a mother out. Yes. Oh my goodness. Well, I, we're just so excited for you. And again, thank you for coming on the podcast. This this has been so much fun. I feel like I've I've already met you and known you. So. <laughs> well, I will I will sit down with you again anytime you want. But next time we're doing it in person with Queso and oh, Diet Coke. Please. Got it? 
yes, absolutely. That I'm so All right, down. Girl. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I really yes. appreciate it. Thank you, Melissa. You have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Guys, I just love her and I cannot wait to watch the Rad Keys on Tuesday, June 4th. Everybody turn all your TVs on in your house. Tell your friends, tell your family. It's going to be great. She is just precious. And we're not only going to watch, we're going to pray for a special grace over her family. It's so exciting. Okay, you guys know the drill by now. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast, leave a rating, and write a review. And here's the thing. Your review does not have to be long. I'm going to read a sweet one really quick by my friend Carolyn Ann Cooks. She said, love the podcast, refreshing, sincere conversation, and honest fun. Can't wait to see what comes next. Writing a review can be just that simple. And I know it seems like an easy thing, but these really do help other people find the show. And y'all, it brightens my day when I see that I got a review. Maybe that's a little pathetic, but I get so excited because it just means a lot to hear from real people that y'all are listening and enjoying it. So please take 60 seconds and write a review. I might just do the happy dance because I'm so excited. (laughs) You guys truly are the best. I hope everyone has a great week and I'll see you next time.